a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, KSL News Time is 8 o'clock. This is Utah's Morning News. I'm Tim Hughes. And I'm Amanda Dixon. KSL's top story this hour. It's a developing story from overnight. A driver, a driver that is, shot by Farmington police officers following a traffic stop near a post office, died overnight. At the same time, the department is dealing with a huge chunk of its workforce on leave now. KSL News Radio's Adam Small is live with the latest. Adam? Amanda, we're just learning this morning that that driver, uh, 25-year-old Chase Allen, died at the hospital. Well, it's quiet here this morning, and an investigation into the shooting continues. Five officers are on leave, but for this small city in Farmington, that's 20% of their workforce. Even for a large department, that can have an impact. I mean, you have shifts to be able to, you know, be able to cover part-time shifts. You know, if you've got extra shifts, you know, because of, you know, covering for people. Um, you have to fill them, and, and I would say for a smaller department, that becomes even more difficult. That's former Unified Deputy Police Chief Chris Bertram, who says other local agencies will hopefully step in and help. How things escalated in this shooting is still up in the air, but police are saying that shots were fired when they were trying to remove Allen, who they say was not complying from the vehicle. Live from the scene in Farmington, Adam Small, KSL News Radio. We'll have more on this story in an in-depth report coming up in about 10 minutes. A rash of attacks reported at the new Utah State Prison is leading to concerns about the facility. 23 attacks have happened at the new facility since it opened, according to public records obtained by KSL-TV. These assaults range from inmates throwing objects to punching or attacking officers. Chad Banyan with the Utah Fraternal Order of Police says a severe staffing shortage is causing instability. If you've got an officer or agent who is just working a post, right, you're in an assignment, you don't know how that interaction with the inmate is going to go. You don't know what their behaviors are. So you might misinterpret something also. Today, a legislative committee will announce how much funding the Department of Corrections will get to help fix these problems. Kate Davis, KSL News Radio. Another developing story this morning dealing with the lawsuit filed against the Moab Police Department by the family of Gabby Petito. The family's attorney amended their complaint saying Moab City Police did not use a lethality assessment protocol when they spoke with Gabby and Brian Laundrie in August 2021 after a traffic stop. The attorney also alleges an officer willingly chose not to protect Gabby after speaking with her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, during that stop. Gabby was later found dead near Yellowstone National Park. KSL's top national stories now. The man behind an airport security scare in Pennsylvania is expected to appear before a judge today. He's accused of trying to check an explosive device on board and then leaving the airport. That suspect is due in court today, and authorities are trying to determine why he allegedly packed an explosive device inside his luggage and showed up to the airport. Sources say the device did contain flammable and explosive materials, but they say it was not operational and was not built to go off in flight. 
ABC's Morgan Norwood reporting. President Biden today is announcing his updated plan to deal with cybersecurity attacks on the nation. The president will push Congress to spend more on cybersecurity and help critical industries protect against outside attacks that could affect millions of Americans. Federal government already offers guidance and aid to companies before and after they've been threatened with a cyber attack. The president's security advisors will outline other measures today. ABC's Andy Field reporting. California's governor declaring a state of emergency for 13 counties because there's a lot of people snowed in. In Southern California, emergency crews are scrambling to shuttle food and medicine to mountain communities east of L.A. Nearly 100 rescues have been reported in San Bernardino County. They say it could take more than a week to reach some areas. That's ABC's Andrea Fujii. Seven passengers were taken to the hospital after severe turbulence on board a Lufthansa flight from Austin, Texas to Frankfurt, Germany. Passenger Susan Zimmerman says items were tossed all over the cabin. It was kind of like you're in slow motion that you just see everything like like in a movie where you just see everything lift. And then all of a sudden it just comes right back down. The flight was diverted to Dulles Airport outside Washington, D.C. Let's get that first look traffic check here with Andy Farnsworth. I-15 traffic has been better than yesterday and really decent for an average morning that's not a Friday. Uh, But we do have some slowdowns in Midvale on I-15. We've got some brake tapping on the 21st South Freeway going through West Valley. And it's still pretty busy on both the Pioneer Crossing and 2100 North trying to get between Redwood and I-15 and Lehigh. I'm Andy Farnsworth in the KSL Traffic Center. Utah's Morning News has inside sources. Top Russian and U.S. diplomats are meeting in New Delhi for the first time since the invasion of the Ukraine started. Joining us live in studio is the host of Inside Sources, Boyd Matheson. I'm so glad you're bringing this up, Boyd. I saw that meeting with Sergei Lavrov, and I wondered, what did they talk about? Uh, not a lot. Uh, they only had 10 minutes. So it, oh, was, wow. a, it was a very short meeting, and it was actually at the, uh, it, the request of the Secretary of State, Blinken. He said, I want to talk now. Uh, so they just it was one of those sideline meetings. Wow. But often those are the beginning of, of more important conversations. Now, Secretary Blinken said that they he talked about uh, uh, Paul Whelan, uh, the getting him released, that that was a top priority, reinforced uh, the commitment to Ukraine and Ukrainian sovereignty. Uh, also encouraged that uh, Russia just rethink they're rethinking about the restart, (laughs) the new start treaty that they have to get back to the table uh, on that for the security of the world. So very quick meeting. Uh, I'm sure it was pretty brusque. Uh, and it will be very interesting to see if this leads to other conversations. That's uh, that's what you always hope for in these little impromptu sideline meetings at these big events. You just hope there's enough of a spark there to get something going. I saw a headline this morning that one of Ukraine's uh, leading military spies is exactly how they described him said that Russia would be uh, out of their military devices by the end of spring. And I wondered if that would lead this conversation to talk about China. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of rumblings. A lot of my sources are saying very similar things, Tim, in terms of how long this Russian offensive. So where everyone's saying it's spring, the Russian offensive is coming. And some are saying it's sort of last gasp. Uh, and without some additional help from China, Iran and others, uh, Russia is going to be hurting uh, for a lot of that weaponry they're using for those assaults. So the spring, this spring is such a crucial spring for Ukraine uh, to hold together for the allies to hold together uh, because, again, I don't know that Russia can sustain it uh, without some some outside help. Wow, wouldn't it be great if, if China just stayed neutral, just stay neutral, and it will stop on yeah. its own? Yeah, and I, and I think uh, chi- China would – they don't want to get in the middle of the middle of this, um, but they're okay if it just keeps going on a little bit because mm-hmm. it does a couple of things. It keeps the West distracted. It uses NATO resources. 
and it uses Russian resources, and so it keeps them in a very strong position. So I think you'll see China sort of toying at the edges of this uh, and trying to just kind of nurse that along. Yeah, China all along could have uh, declined to buy the Russian oil, which, yeah. which may have ended this. And well above the cap price that uh, right. the restrictions uh, demand. All right. Boyd's back this afternoon, as always, 1 to 3 o'clock with Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio, where the news time is 8.07. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.